Secret research uncovered on one of the world's deadliest viruses from inside China's most controversial lab. A scientist testifies about his findings and why Canada is involved. A U.S. delegation landing in Taiwan. The visit angers China, and officials say more intense military drills are on their way. We zoom in on Beijing's economic recovery and why it might be losing its grip. In chaos inside a Shanghai IKEA store, shoppers making a mad dash for the exits, with security guards trying to trap them inside, all sparked by a sudden COVID-19 quarantine order. Welcome to China in Focus. I'm Tiffany Meyer. An American scientist says he found that a lab in China's Wuhan researched a virus far more deadly than the Chinese Communist Party virus, which causes COVID-19. Here's more. The CCP virus has taken over six million lives around the globe in two years. The Chinese lab is called the Wuhan Institute of Virology. It has been at the center of a massive debate on whether it had leaked the virus. That question aside, an American scientist says he's caught the lab doing research on one of the deadliest viruses in the world, called the Nipah virus. That was in late 2019, before the COVID-19 pandemic broke out. Compared to the CCP virus, the Nipah virus is less transmissible, but it's 60 times deadlier. The scientist, Dr. Stephen Quay, testified about his findings in a Senate hearing. You said, uh, I think in your testimony, this is the most dangerous research that, that you have ever encountered. Um, what makes this particular research so dangerous? <laughs> if you're doing experiments with a pathogen that is 60% lethal but is not airborne, and you make it airborne in the laboratory, and someone walks out with it. Nipah has a 21-day incubation period. It's perfect for, for widespread spread uh, without being detected. Uh, we couldn't afford 60 We can't afford 10% lethality. The Wuhan lab was reportedly conducting the kind of research that could redesign the Nipah virus. They're manipulating it, which is not allowed by biological treaties. In addition, the Wuhan lab didn't process the research in a facility that meets the highest level of biosafety requirements. Dr. Quay said he was able to detect what went on in the Wuhan lab because of a massive amount of raw data made public by the lab. That information involved a different research project. But Quay was able to detect what other research the lab was doing through forensic analysis. Quay's discovery comes as China just discovered a new virus called the Langya Henipa virus. This new infection is closely related to the Nipah virus and is already spreading. Chinese media outlets say over 30 people in northern China have been infected. Experts believe the infection is lethal, but Chinese authorities have not reported any deaths. Back to the Nipah virus of the Wuhan lab, the discovery is raising concerns in Canada. The Wuhan lab got Nipah virus samples from Canada's National Microbiology Laboratory, or NML. Last year, some Canadian lawmakers asked why the facility sent Nipah virus samples to the Wuhan lab. Its scientific director general responded that the Canadian lab sent samples to China after being promised that no gain-of-function research would take place. That type of research involves altering a virus to change or enhance its biological functions. 
A Chinese scientist named Chiu Xiangguo arranged the sample shipment. She was working with NML at the time. Months later, Chiu was fired from the lab and arrested. The Canadian government refused to say why, citing national security concerns. A high-level U.S. delegation arrived to visit Taiwan days after the House Speaker's visit. Beijing, irritated by the visit, has held military drills around the Taiwan Strait and says there are more to come. Let's look into it. A delegation of U.S. lawmakers arrived in Taiwan on Sunday for a two-day visit. The five-member group is led by Senator Ed Markey. It's the second high-level group to travel to the island this month. 12 days after the visit by U.S. House Speaker Nancy Pelosi, Beijing responded to Pelosi's visit by sending missiles, warships and fighter jets into the seas and skies around Taiwan for several days afterward. As for the latest U.S. visit, the island's defense ministry said Sunday it detected 22 Chinese aircraft and six naval ships nearby the Taiwan Strait. And Beijing says more is coming. During her meeting with the U.S. lawmakers on Monday, Taiwan President Tsai Ing-wen said China's move seriously interfered with the region's stability. Not only do we work closely with allies around the world and closely control all military developments around us, we also continue to express to the international community Taiwan's determination to maintain the status quo of stability across the Taiwan Strait. The U.S. delegation will also meet with senior Taiwan leaders to discuss U.S.-Taiwan relations, plus a range of other issues, including regional security, trade and investment, and global supply chains. Frank Gaffney, vice chair of Committee on the Present Danger, China, touched on the situation. He said when China either strangles or seizes the land, the aftereffects will have a profound implication on Americans. That's because the U.S. is largely dependent on overseas chains for advanced microchips, the vast majority of which are made in Taiwan. By some estimates, something on the order of 5 to 10 percent of our gross domestic product will be reduced if we lose access to those chips and all that flows from it. Gaffney also touched on the geopolitical importance of the island. Taiwan is part of what's called the first island chain. If Beijing were to take control of the island, China's navy would be able to access the deep waters of the Pacific Ocean. And that would pose a major threat to U.S. safety via nuclear submarines. If Taiwan is seized by China, which will unfortunately unravel, I think, our strategic position in the Far East and jeopardize our allies as well as our interests there. Communist China claims self-ruled Taiwan as its territory. Although it has never ruled Taiwan, Beijing is also actively blocking Taiwan from representing itself on the international stage. American aircraft carrier the U.S.'s Ronald Reagan and its strike group have been patrolling near Taiwan. The troops aboard have been monitoring the situation in the region since at least last week. The strike group is based in Japan, one of Taiwan's closest neighbors. The U.S. Navy says the move aims to maintain peace through strength. Now we turn to news on China's economy. The country's economic recovery momentum slowed in July. That's according to what a spokesman for the National Bureau of Statistics said on Monday. 
The domestic epidemic is spreading from various points and is frequent in many places, combined with high temperatures and rain, making it more difficult to keep the economy running smoothly. The comments came after data showed China's economy missed forecasts by large margins, pointing to a shaky recovery. Yet Beijing shows no sign of easing its zero COVID-19 policy. Recently, the Chinese Communist Party leader Xi Jinping repeatedly vowed to maintain the strategy. The policy seeks to completely eradicate all CCP virus cases through mass testing its residents to detect new infections and isolate the patients, plus strict lockdown measures to halt the spread. Under them, residents are confined to their homes, sometimes for long stretches. Factories, stores and other public spaces are also largely closed. The policy differs from most other nations, which have adapted to living with the virus in low numbers. Heat waves are broiling parts of southern China. Multiple provinces are expected to see temperatures over 100 degrees Fahrenheit. Because of those highs, rivers and farmland are drying up in several provinces. And over 800,000 residents are having issues with their water supply. The provinces and cities suffering from the heat wave are mainly in southern and central China, including Anhui, Jiangxi, Hubei, Hunan, Chongqing and Sichuan. Farther north in the Xinjiang region, over 20 rivers are seeing seasonal flood conditions. Authorities say it's due to record rainfall this year. Panicked shoppers, failed security guard perimeters, and a dramatic escape. That was the scene inside an IKEA store in Shanghai over the weekend. The commotion began when customers heard an announcement over the store's loudspeaker that authorities were putting the store under quarantine and everyone inside was banned from leaving. And that's after someone who came in close contact with COVID-19 was traced to the area. Clips of the incident show shoppers crowding and pushing to get to the exit doors. Security guards failing to contain them. It's unclear what happened to shoppers that weren't able to leave the store. That store is located in Shanghai's Xuhui district. IKEA Shanghai said the store was temporarily closed for two days and would reopen on Tuesday. The sudden lockdown is in line with China's zero COVID-19 policy. Instead of trying to coexist with the virus in low numbers, the regime is still trying to stamp it out completely with mass lockdowns and quarantines. Meanwhile, Shanghai is conducting mass testing in its Xuhui district until Wednesday. During this period, residents aren't allowed to leave their homes unless they have a negative COVID-19 test result taken within 24 hours. China's big tech firms gave their algorithm information to the government. This is the first time ever that something like this has happened. But we don't know what's happening behind the scenes. And mind you, algorithms are a key trade secret for many tech firms, which have a lot of data on their users. NDD's Colin Fredrickson reports. China's tech giants have shared information about their precious algorithms with state regulators. The Cyberspace Administration of China is creating a registration system for those algorithms, which is completely unprecedented. The algorithms determine basically what you see in the feed, what you're interested in, um, and it gives the tech companies an idea of what kind of content to put in front of you. Jeremy Knopf is the founder of Spartan Media. Knopf says the algorithms choose what to put in front of you based on your previous activity. Your activity becomes a lot of data, which tell a lot about you. The main prize for the Chinese Communist Party is the data. 
and the data that is now being made available by these companies, uh, including data, by the way, they've obtained from their American partners. Frank Gaffney is the chairman of the Committee on the Present Danger China and one of the authors of The CCP is at War with America. Gaffney says whatever the party wants, it gets. Another factor is control. The Chinese Communist Party right now has been tightening its grip on you know, on technology companies, and they've been doing it for some time. Chuck Flint is the president of Flint Consulting, a strategic communications and public policy consulting firm. Flint says other examples of the CCP wanting control is with the COVID lockdowns, bank withdrawal restrictions, and the events surrounding Jack Ma. I don't think that there's any chance of that happening other in any place other than communist China. Uh, and that is because of the power of the party. I mean, people don't realize that the party controls everything. Algorithms are a key trade secret of big tech firms. The algorithm information that the Cyberspace Administration of China has shown the public is very brief in general. However, we don't know how much information it has gotten from the companies behind the scenes. Colin Fredrickson, NTD News. Coming up, tensions around Taiwan. With Beijing angered over U.S. visits to the island, who is really to blame for the friction? An expert explains. In an unprecedented display of power from France, the nation launched military exercises in the Indo-Pacific, a response to Chinese aggression in the region. Find out more in just a minute here on China in Focus. Welcome back to China in Focus. I'm Tiffany Meyer. What's the real reason for the current Taiwan Strait crisis? Beijing remains angered over U.S. visits to Taiwan, but is that the driving force behind the conflict? An expert breaks it down. The Chinese military drills continue near the island of Taiwan. The exercise began when Taiwan hosted U.S. House Speaker Nancy Pelosi. Twelve days later, a second high-level U.S. delegation arrived in Taiwan on Sunday. The Chinese military responded with intensive drills, calling the exercise a stern deterrent to the United States and Taiwan. As tensions escalate, one commentator is blaming the Chinese communist regime's mentality for the crisis, rather than Pelosi's visit. Pelosi's visit was the trigger, but not the root cause. NTD's China affairs commentator Jason Ma is the host of commentary program The Jason Angle. He compared the House Speaker's visit to former House Speaker Gingrich's Taiwan tour back in 1997, when Li Tenghui was Taiwan's president. Li was the first Taiwanese president to be directly elected, and the Chinese regime didn't like him. But Beijing didn't protest over the U.S. visit. According to Jason, that's because Beijing needed the U.S. and wanted to maintain good relations for the sake of its own economic interests. But the Chinese Communist Party, or CCP, appears to think differently these days. China's current economy and weaponry give the CCP the feeling that it is in a very powerful position, thinking the world now is rising in the East and falling in the West. The view makes the CCP kind of contemptuous of the U.S. Therefore, the regime believes that it is time for Beijing to have its own say on the Taiwan issue. 
Ma added, the CCP now labels anyone who sees Taiwan as an independent country as an enemy to Beijing. The U.S. is the main obstacle that the CCP sees as to hinder its rise as a great power. Therefore, the CCP believes if it could press the U.S. politicians to seriously consider Beijing's attitudes, it would be a crucial way to show its international influence. Plus, Ma says the CCP still has cards to play. That's because the U.S. is seeking cooperation with Beijing on several global issues, like climate change, the Ukraine war, and nuclear talks with Iran. As for Taiwan, the island has only aimed to make more friends and boost international relations. But that effort has angered Beijing. Through its own democratic system, Taiwan has emphasized its high degree of ideological compatibility with the mainstream of the democratic world, thereby contrasting the incompatibility of the CCP's ideology with this world. This is something that annoys the CCP so much that it has labeled all of these actions as seeking Taiwan independence. Ma says the CCP's response will eventually isolate them from the world. He lists a number of examples, including when foreign ministers from G7 member nations warned Beijing not to take Pelosi's visit as an excuse for aggression. But the Chinese military went on to host missile tests soon after, prompting reactions from Japan and Switzerland. With five Chinese missiles landing in Japan's own exclusive economic zone waters, the country has been made aware further. It's difficult for Japan not to be dragged into a future war in the Taiwan Strait. Even Switzerland, which is rarely involved in international conflicts, has said that it will match EU sanctions against the Chinese Communist Party if it invades Taiwan. Ma also points out how the CCP's attitude towards Taiwan has made many international companies rethink their investments in China. The companies think we can definitely invest in the countries like Vietnam, India or Indonesia. Then why should we invest in China, a country with significant geopolitical risk? What's more, Ma quoted the Chinese ambassador to France. In an interview last week, the diplomat said Beijing would re-educate Taiwanese citizens after taking over the island. Ma said the ambassador's remarks are credible because they're highly in line with Beijing's policies in the Xinjiang region and Hong Kong. It shows Taiwan people that if put under Chinese Communist Party's rule, Taiwan will become the next Xinjiang. In China's northwest Xinjiang region, the Chinese communist regime has detained millions of members of the Uyghur ethnic group in camps. And reports say many were put into forced labor in poor conditions. The regime has called the centers places for vocational education, something commonly known to the outside world as re-education. Back to Taiwan, Ma concluded that what the CCP has done to Taiwan has actually had the opposite of its intended effect. On one hand, the CCP has bullied Taiwan by force recently and created this round of the Taiwan Strait crisis. But on the other hand, it has achieved a series of negative effects for the CCP. Isolation in international society, damage to economic development, and a more united Taiwan. Ma also offered a suggestion to Washington that rather than keep its policy of strategic ambiguity towards Taiwan, the U.S. should clearly state its willingness to protect Taiwan. He says sending a clear signal to Beijing would help deter a possible invasion. 
The French Air Force is conducting military exercises in the Indo-Pacific, which the French government calls an unprecedented power projection. One analyst says the move is a response to Chinese aggression in the region. More from NTD's France correspondent David Vives. Seven French warplanes departed this week to France's overseas territory of New Caledonia in the southwest Pacific, followed by joint exercises with Australia, the United States, Canada and New Zealand. The operation is meant to train 160 military personnel and will last until mid-September. France's defense minister called it an unprecedented power projection operation in the Indo-Pacific area with France's partners. The exercises are coming on the heels of the release of a transcript of a parliamentary hearing. Admiral Pierre Vendier testified on the 27th of July, a few days before Beijing conducted retaliatory military exercises around Taiwan. Vendier, who was the head of the French Navy, said, Against the Chinese Navy, we will win if we fight together in coalition. Policy analyst Mathieu Sirvens says, For the French military, a war with China has become a possibility. War is upon us. That's, in my opinion, the most important thing to take away from the Admiral's testimony. This is what he says about the Chinese Navy. We will win if we fight together. In this view, the war is already here. In the view of the French military, that's the case. The Admiral testified that France has never in history been able to fight alone against an adversary with equal or superior strength. He also said at the hearing, I have spent the last two years explaining everywhere that we're witnessing a movement of naval rearmament unprecedented since the Second World War. In 2030, the tonnage of the Chinese Navy will be 2.5 times greater than that of the American Navy. His spokesperson later said Vendier's words should not be misinterpreted and that France was not at war with China. Servance says the purpose of Vendier's statement was to send a message. For the French military and the French armed forces, it's a way to send a message, because they, being on the ground, especially in the Navy, are confronted regularly with the aggressiveness and hostility of the Chinese military, and they actually see this aggressiveness, this hostility. Last week, the G7 foreign ministers condemned China's military exercises in the South China Sea. But neither French President Emmanuel Macron nor the French government have directly addressed Beijing's recent moves. Servance says that China has regularly acted with hostility toward France in the Indo-Pacific. For several years, the French Navy has been conducting what they call freedom of navigation exercises to guarantee and show that the Taiwan Strait is an open passage. But every time they do this, and increasingly so, they are harassed by Chinese ships. There have also been cases around a Chinese base in Djibouti in Africa, where French fighter planes have been blinded by Chinese lasers. France Navy is the seventh largest in the world. David Vives, NTD News, Paris. That's all for today's China in Focus. I'm Tiffany Meyer. If you have any feedback on the show or have something you'd like to see us cover, send us an email at chinainfocus at ntd.com. We'd love to hear from you. Thanks for watching and see you tomorrow. The 2022 NTD 8th International Chinese Vocal Competition will be held from September 29th to October 2nd at the Merkin Hall of Kaufman Music Center in New York City. The competition is honored to have specially invited vocalists with the world-renowned Shen Yun Performing Arts to serve on its panel of judges. 
the gold award is $10,000. For more information, please visit vocal.ntdtv.com.